Welcome back to World Changers. My name is Stephen. And I'm Brett. In this podcast, we dive into the lives of the greatest people who have ever lived. Today, we're going to be talking about the Bard of Avon. That's right. He was a mysterious figure, possibly gay. Maybe he didn't even exist. I'm talking about William Shakespeare. In any case, we're talking about a guy who may not have had much of an education at all, and he wrote the stuff that we're talking about at, at like the highest level of education. So yeah. like every college studies Shakespeare. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Let's just jump in. We're going to do a quick summary of his life, just go over the main points. Why don't you start us off, Brad? Yeah, so he was born on April 23rd, 1564, in Stratford-upon-Avon, England. So that's why they call him the Bard of Avon. Stratford was located like 100 miles west of London, just to give you an idea. Okay. His father was a ledger, sorry, a leather merchant, among other things. Uh, we'll talk more about him a little bit later. His mother's name was Mary. He had two older sisters, three younger brothers, and so kind of a big family. And his dad just sold leather. Yeah, huh. he had like a few different jobs. At one point, actually, he held a position which was basically like the mayor of Stratford upon Avon. Wow. So apparently his father had like this kind of meteoric rise. He like did really well for a while and then he just collapsed again. Didn't, uh, didn't Derek, do so good at the start of Yeah, I guess so. You can, yeah, don't so so subject. Let's it's not talk about it. Sad stuff. <laughs> and then I mean, we don't really know much about his education, do we? Not much. Scant records exist of his pretty much his whole childhood and virtually none regarding his education. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're actually not that far back. We're in the 1500s. Yep. Which isn't that far back, but it's also the Dark Ages. Um, I don't know why, but when I hear 1500, I just, like, don't want to be there. <laughs> you know this is I mean? like This is like 100 years after Da Vinci, right? Or, like, uh, Leonardo Da Vinci was born, like, the mid-1400s. So this is about, he was born, like, a, Shakespeare was born about 100 years after that in England. So this after the Renaissance has happened, but yeah, it's like it's not not, not super fun to live in that. It doesn't it doesn't sound great to me. He so yeah he at some point he learned how to write obviously yeah and, and read and he mar- he got married on November twenty eighth fifteen eighty two to a woman named Anne Hathaway, not to be confused with the actress of today. Pretty interesting. Uh, she was 26 and he was 18, so that's kind of interesting. Not bad. He's a player. Yeah, getting those older women. He and she was she was pregnant at the time they got married. Yes, and they had a daughter named Susanna. Pretty weird. And then they had twins. Uh, a couple years later, Hamnet and Judith. Yep. Yeah, funny, funny names. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether Hamnet's a boy or girl. Yeah, but regardless of what the sex is, uh, that baby died at the age of 11 from unknown causes. Yeah. This is just showing you what the, the 1500s is like. I, mean, I feel like all the babies are dying. He, uh, I mean, didn't the plague come through his town? I don't know. I didn't pretty read sure that. Pretty sure. We'll, we'll say that for later, but I'm pretty sure the plague came through. Okay. But, so, and then nobody really knows what he was doing for like seven years after that. Yeah. So he had a pretty... Un, 
uneventful childhood? Yeah, an uneventful. I mean, uh, it doesn't have any marks of brilliance yet. Yeah. If if we were to go back in time, we wouldn't know if that kid was Shakespeare or this kid was Shakespeare. You know, he doesn't he hasn't done much. He's got married. It's not like Mozart writing plays when he was four or something. Exactly. Now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, Brett mentioned there were about seven years where no records exist of his... Uh, I mean, after the birth of his twins, there's no records that exist. They call this the lost years. Yeah. Now, let me just put a little caveat in here before we go further. The The little joke I made earlier about him not existing is something that scholars take seriously. Yeah. I think most people are pretty confident that there was a William Shakespeare and that this William Shakespeare was the one who wrote these. But there's a lot of doubt whether he did or did not. And part of that is because we don't know a lot about his upbringing and his education. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that what he created has become almost a foundation for the highest levels of literature today. Yeah. And that came from someone who didn't get a university education at the time, which was, like, unheard of. I didn't know they even had universities back then. But, um, yeah, so just going forward, that's just something you have to keep in mind, that there are respectable people. This isn't like... Uh, the moon landing conspiracy. Like, this is, uh, you know... Yeah, most people... Most, most people, people believe. believe that he was William Shakespeare, that he wrote these plays. Mm-hmm. But there is some doubt, and, like, some people think that maybe he didn't. Exactly. But, so that that's out there. So we get past these lost years, right? Um, which started in about 1585. Yeah. So by, about seven years. By 92, 1592, there's some evidence that he earned a living as an actor and a playwright um, in London and possibly had a couple plays produced. So we start to see some things from that point. Yes, some people think he was living the, the La La Land lifestyle for those seven years where he was just like awesome. in London working crap jobs, trying to make it big, you know. I love it. I hope that's true. <laughs> Very well could be. Um, over the next two decades, about from 1590 to 1613, um, so the turn of the century uh, is when his brilliance is shown throughout the world, um, at least throughout London at the time. He writes about 37 plays. Yeah. And we're going to dive a little bit more into the bulk of, of his work later, but over those uh, 20 years-ish is when he is just churning them out. Yeah. So he became so he was the managing partner of the King's Men Acting Company, which was um, probably the most influential acting company in London at the time. Yeah, and actually, they actually um, a lot. William and his business partners they actually built their own theater. Yeah, the Globe the Theater. The Globe, yeah. yeah. So he was he also was known for uh, kind of a, a business investor as well. He, he got yeah. into some real estate, yep. which they think could have helped him. Uh, focus on his play, on his, his yeah, writing. Yeah, he didn't really have to worry about he was getting income exactly. from that, so he could just focus on writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he wrote 15 of, the, of those 37 plays by 1597, so so pretty quickly, and then the the, la- the other 22 were, were written over the course of the next 20 or so years. And yeah, did anything else before? I don't think, yeah, that's all. So he died in, in 1616, and people think it was... Uh, most likely on his like on his fifty second birthday, might have been a couple days after, but fifty two years old. That's another thing, dude. You're living in the fifteen hundreds. If you make it past five, you're gonna die at fifty. <laughs> it just sounds I don't know. Sounds swampy and dark and scary, and they're killing witches. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of this period, man. Anyways, okay. Scary stuff. Let's head over and talk about the bulk of his work. Yep. His greatest accomplishments. 
so he, we mentioned that he wrote 37 plays, and these were written in several different genres. The, the first period was mainly histories. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry VIII, Henry V, uh, Julius Caesar, all those ones. Mm-hmm. He wrote tragedies uh, such as Macbeth, Hamlet, um, Othello. And he wrote comedies like Much Do About Nothing, As You Like It, Twelfth Night. There are a lot of them. Um, and then a few towards the end of his career that were sort of like, they call them tragic comedies. Yeah, One of these it. was The Tempest. And these, the the influence of these plays, well, these plays have been performed in almost every major language around the world for the last, ever since he lived, for the last 400 years. So it's crazy the influence that he's had, yeah. that these plays have had. And you see the influence all over our uh, popular culture these days now. Totally. Lion King, based on Hamlet. No way. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Nah. I've, I feel like I've heard of the <laughs> movies that are based on Shakespeare. I've never heard of Lion King. Yeah, Lion King. Um, uh, the one with Amanda Bynes, soccer player. That yeah, one, that one's, that right one's based on. on Twelfth Night. Well, they even use the same names. Right. Yeah, yeah. they use some quotes. And then uh, the one with Heath Ledger. Um, it's Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You. Taming, Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. yeah. They yep. use some, I remember they use some lines in there, too. Uh-huh. I yeah. hate you with the, the burning of a thousand suns or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, the Hamilton musical has some references to Macbeth. Oh, cool. Screw Your Courage to the Sticking Place is one of the lines that they use there. It's oh, wow. from that play. And Warm Bodies. Remember that movie about the yeah, zombies? Yeah, I love that movie. Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, from what I've researched, and obviously this is subjective, but it seems like Romeo and Juliet is his best one. A lot of people consider it his Might best. Might be, uh, like at least his most popular, probably. Yeah. This is a good time. Let's give a shout-out to Cedar City. Don't you guys have a... Um, Brett's from Cedar City, Utah. Yeah, that's don't, right. Don't you have like a... Yeah, the Shakespeare Festival. It's It's pretty... Pretty big, well renowned. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really good stuff, and they they've won Tony Awards and cool. they, they do really well. Went down this summer and saw Othello, and it was awesome. That was one of the ones. So I studied English at at BYU, and uh, took a Shakespeare class, and with that, Othello was one of the the plays that we analyzed. studied the most and analyzed. Cool. Yeah, did some projects on that one, so it was really cool and it was really well done. Yeah, I'm I'm most familiar probably with Hamlet. Well, I watched that. Um, there's a movie, like a four-hour movie about that, uh, where they, you know, read the exact lines. Mel Gibson. No. Do you remember? It, there is a Mel Gibson one that I've seen parts oh, really? of at least. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't like a shortened version. This is like an actual play they filmed. You know. Oh, okay. It has like the exact wording. But uh, yeah, and then I, um, No Fear Shakespeare has been really helpful for me to understand. You know, have you seen that? Oh no, I haven't. Is that, are no those Fear videos? On YouTube? Books, pretty much, and it's oh, a okay. website. But, yeah, it, like, on one page is what, it's what Shakespeare says, and the other page is translated. Into, into uh, today's language. Yeah, yeah. our language. And uh, it sounds silly, but it's really cool. It really helps you appreciate it. Yeah. Because you kind of go back and you go, oh, that's what he's saying, and you see these cool lines. Right, well, that's the thing. Like, even, even though, well, like, I enjoyed Othello so much that I saw it at the Shakespeare Festival because I was pretty familiar with the play already but like if you're not familiar with it like it's it's hard to follow the language yeah you know? it is so and I don't think you should be embarrassed by that no you know I think it's okay uh, but Shakespeare honestly it's it's you, it's not my cup of tea you know but as I've learned a little bit about it I've really enjoyed it 
I really yeah. think it's applicable. And talking about these movies that all of us love, mm-hmm. and realizing that they're based in based on those stories, same, yeah, same plot lines. Do you have a favorite Shakespeare um, play? You know, Othello's up there mainly because I am so familiar with it. I think, but yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I read Macbeth a couple of years ago. I really like that. And Hamlet's obviously great. Hamlet's good. I mean, the only other one I'm pretty familiar with is The Midsummer's Night Dream. Yeah. Where, like, everyone falls in love with the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how those comedies go a lot. Yeah. Like, everyone falls in love with the wrong person, and eventually they figure it out. Yeah. It's pretty pretty creative. Um, But, yeah. So, I mean, Brett nailed on the head. You got the histories, the tragedies, the comedies, and the tragic comedies. Mm -hmm. And... um, he uh, he wrote some sonnets as well. Yeah, 154 of them. Yeah. You've read a lot of those, haven't you? I like the sonnets a lot. Yeah. yeah, when I was dating my wife, we would read the sonnets together. I thought it was pretty romantic. Yeah. And uh, there's some good lines in there, some good stuff. Uh, I I, I'm going to totally butcher this. I remember one of them, though, was about... It was comparing, like, a, uh, a wildflower, like a summer wildflower to a rose. And they both were equally beautiful. But um, when they died the rose petals could be made into a perfume and the wildflower wasn't. And then the scent of the rose could continue on afterwards. Mm-hmm. And he compared that to, like, girls that were truly beautiful. Like, some girls are beautiful on the outside. Yeah. Um, but the scent of the rose was, like, uh, I guess... Sort of represented the inner beauty. Inner beauty, yeah. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, cool. Especially in our society where everyone's trying to look good on the outside. Yeah. And uh, it's about how you smell. That's <laughs> really matters. You heard it here first while well, you heard it from Shakespeare. Um, speaking of the sonnets, though, they, a lot of people assume he wrote most of them for his wife. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you heard that he wrote some of them for a boy as well? Uh, yeah, I think I have heard that. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the wording is for a guy. Yeah, a lot of people think he, he could have been, been gay. He could have been gay. I mean, he had a wife, he had kids, so maybe bi or... But it's also like not as easy to actually be openly gay back in those times, you know. Totally. Because yeah, you're done. It's, it's, it was against the law. Yeah. So. Um, there are a few writers that Shakespeare inspired, uh, Charles Dickens, uh, Thomas Hardy, um, and uh, Herman Mahiel. Never heard of that person? Herman Melville? I don't think so. No? Maybe. Huh. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, it, another thing was his work not only did he make these cool stories that were turned into movies 300 years later but he also helped the English language a lot yeah. and develop it and uh, tons of words like hundreds of words that he created basically yeah and expressions that were used in his plays that we still use today oh yeah um, I'm, I'm saving those for my I will talk about those later cool well, I got a list of them too alright <laughs> let's uh, I think that's good let's head on over to some cool quotes this will be fun because he's got a lot okay all right, I'll start it off. The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man know himself to be a fool. Socrates. It sounds just like Socrates. Yeah. Pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> he got that from Socrates. Totally. totally did. Be not afraid of greatness. I think we've mentioned this one before. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. It's in, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like that could be... Uh, we could use that quote as an outline of, like, where does each person that we've I talked like that about fit in. Yeah, that's really good. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. That's from one of his sonnets, right? Yeah, I ended it right there. I didn't want to keep going. Okay. That's, I mean, you've probably heard that. Before. Everybody's heard that line. They probably haven't heard the rest of it. Yeah. 
Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Is that from Julius Caesar? I actually don't have the source of that. It might be. I thought it was. When we used Julius Caesar, I thought we used that quote. Oh, we might have. Yeah, Yeah, I got one too. Uh, Men at some time... Uh, men at some time are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, yeah, but in ourselves that we are underlings. Fault in our stars, yeah. Another influence from <laughs> is Shakespeare. It really? Well, I mean, like that's the name of that movie or the book oh, that was turned wow. into a movie like last year or two years ago. Cool. Uh, listen to many, speak to a few. I like it. Some rise by sin, and some by virtue fall. Hmm. Pretty cool. Interesting. Our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we often might win by fearing to attempt. I like that one. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Sound and the fury. When you said that life is that? Yeah, life's but a walking shadow. I think he wrote this after it, like the queen died. Hmm. And uh, just kind of having a perspective of, of you know, people coming and going and, and living yeah. and dying and what, what life is, you know, just but yeah. a walking shadow. How poor are they that have not patience? What wound did ever heal but by degrees? Hmm. Wolverine's wounds. <laughs> nice. Take that, Shakespeare. Uh, self-love, my liege, is not so vile a sin as self-neglecting. Huh. So self-neglecting is worse than loving yourself. Yeah. Interesting. I would agree with that. Um, that's all I got. You got more? Um, let me see here. What is a name? That which we call a rose by any other word word would smell sweet. I think that's from Romeo and Juliet, but I might be wrong. Probably. Uh, this one probably is, I think this is from Romeo. Swear not by the moon, the inconstant moon, that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that thy love prove likewise variable. Side note, I recently saw on Facebook a picture of, like, all the phases of the moon as yeah. it went through. And it was just, like, formed like a figure eight. It looked really cool. Oh, know. cool. Look it up, guys. It's on the internet. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. It's mm. a really good one. It's not easy being king. All that glitters is not gold. I think uh, Smash Mouth. Is that Smash Mouth? It's um, I th- actually I think they say all that glitters is gold in I that think, song, don't they? <laughs> oh, do they? Uh, Kid Cudi has a I think I think it's Kid Cudi or Drake. One of them has a line um, that I think it's exactly that. Yeah. Everything that glitters isn't always gold. Um, love all, trust few, do wrong to none. Hmm. Um, Clear cut. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Is Cupid painted blind? I think a lot of times it is, or he is, yeah. Uh, Last one. The course of true love never did run smooth. Hmm. Anyways, he's got a lot. He's got a ton. I mean, we could... I really enjoyed looking at the quotes. It was fun. Yeah, he's got a ton. Okay, well, let's jump over and... um, Go over a couple cool facts and stories. Yeah. So why don't we start with uh, a few of the words and phrases that he? he uh, oh yeah. He made created. Up, he created words, guys. Yeah. We're gonna start saying words. All of these did not exist until Shakespeare. <laughs> okay, you can go first. Well, hold on. I gotta. I, I have expressions first. Okay, I got addiction, bedroom, fitful, dauntless, 
Academy, Fashionable, Sanctimonious, Eyeball, Lackluster, uh, In a Pickle. Uh, these are phrases. You can go. Start yeah, let me, let me give you some phrases. Bated Breath, The Be All, End All, Seen Better Days. I've seen better days. You know, nice. That's yeah. a good one. Eaten Out of House and Home, Foregone Conclusion, Too Much of a Good Thing, Wild Goose Chase. You got any more? Um, in a Pickle, I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, Wild Goose Chase, Foregone Conclusion, uh, Brave New World, and uh, he also invented the name Olivia, Miranda, and Jessica. Huh. He invented those names? Made them up. That's cool. He had a couple other ones that he invented that aren't that popular. They were super weird. I should have put them in here. <laughs> but I know I know Porsche is one from his home oh, place, P-O-R-T-I-A. I don't know if he invented it, but maybe he didn't. Um, on his grave, there's an inscription. Do you have any more? No, no, go ahead. Okay. There's an inscription. It says, uh, Good friend for Jesus' sake forbear to dig the dust in closed hair. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. So it's like trying to get away grave diggers. From yeah, people. apparently there were a lot of grave robbers back then. What are they doing? I don't understand grave robbers. What are you stealing bones for? Maybe people had like nice clothes on. That makes sense. Yeah. But moving your bones? I don't know. Well, yeah. Dude, but he wrote the he wrote that on his, on his that is their hobby. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote it on on his tomb, and uh, I don't think his tomb was ever robbed. So it worked. Worked. Scared him off. Um. His father, at one point, got paid to drink beer. It's kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. Taste tester? He was Stratford's official ale tester uh, for a time. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. It's a pretty good job. Um, the Globe Theater we talked about, it burned to the ground in June uh, oh, that's a 1613. And when did he die? Like 1616? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so three, years, three before years before he died, before. it burned. Um, it's too bad. There was this guy named Robert Green who in uh, like a newspaper or something similar, he criticizes Shakespeare, calls him a jack of all trades, um, a second-rate tinkerer. Yeah, this is when he first started, right? I think uh, a lot of people were critical it, of him, like he was trying to burst onto the scene. And, and his lack of education. Like, Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, I think because he had no university education, people were kind of... Well, it's ironic also that his... His parents and children were likely illiterate. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I guess... Uh, illiteracy was pretty widespread back then, you know? Yeah, I guess the point of plays... Not the point of them, but you don't have to read a play if you just watch it. Yeah, it's like movies. Yeah. And when was Gutenberg? Uh, he was years. like 100 years before this. Okay, so they probably had ability to print yeah. and make books. But uh, Oh, yeah, here it is. Shakespeare lived through... An outbreak of the bubonic plague in London. Hmm. Um, so that's fifteen hundred for you, dude. <laughs> Freaking plagues, man. Lots of crap, but a lot of good stuff came from it. Um, I don't have any other stories. I got one more. So his, his plays contain uh, two hundred references to dogs and six hundred references to birds. Hmm. And this guy in America decided to bring all 600 birds that he's ever referenced that aren't already in America into America. And there were, like, some huge ripple effects. Like, some <laughs> of these birds almost put some other birds to extinction. Yeah. Pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Not the greatest idea. Yeah. Probably that guy's ever had. 
All right, well, let's uh, finish up now and just talk a little bit about why we think he was great. Some are born great, some, are, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. I would put him in the achieve greatness category. Now, he obviously had some gifts that he would have had to be born with to be able to just to be as prolific as he was in writing as many plays as he did and how good they were and the influence that they've had ever since then. But like we talked about, he wasn't he wasn't some child prodigy. He yeah. had to get into London and earn his keep, you know. And if we think that he was also, you know, in London for a time just working crap jobs trying to get an opportunity, um, then that's more evidence to show that he had to work his way up rather than um, being born great or necessarily having greatness thrust upon him. But... Yeah, we talked about the influence that he's had over the years, um, and that influence continues to go on with the with the way that these plays are, and poems are, and words at least in the English language. And I guess I guess his influence is more felt in English speaking countries, um, England, the United States, and Canada. And although obviously his plays have been translated and uh, performed in pretty much every major language, so. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, just that influence and, and his, his creativity would, would be a huge one, obviously, to be able to create these plays that are that cover the entire spectrum of the human experience. You have tragedy, you have comedy, you have um, history, you have all these different genres that cover all the different types of experiences that, that people have in life. Love, loss, um, funny things that happen, uh, bad luck... Um, everything. So uh, that that type of creativity is, was definitely a gift that he had to um, be able to connect to so many people with his work. Like every everyone, ha- there's something in Shakespeare that everyone can relate to, and uh, I think for that reason he's great um, in that influence that he's had. Well, also he he was multi talented too. He wasn't just a playwright. We talked about his investing. He was, he was a businessman. He was a successful businessman, yeah. uh, investing in real estate and able to make money that way, which freed him up to be able to release and and uh, use his creativity to create the plays. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think he definitely achieved his greatness. I, I think achieve and, and born great are hard. Sometimes it's going to be hard for us to differentiate yeah. those. Definitely to have greatness thrust upon him. Uh, I, I I think you're right that he wasn't a prodigy, and, or at least it's not evident that he was. Yeah, we don't really know. And it's tough because um, he might not have had an opportunity to to showcase his abilities, you know, in, until he got jobs and had to kind of eke his way up. But I agree. I think he achieved his greatness. I think you you mentioned about how today it's still you know his influence is still felt throughout the world. Like there's college and you know university classes mm-hmm. about Shakespeare. And I think it's going to last forever. I, I, if the world lives another thousand years, I think they'll still talk about Shakespeare. Yeah, it's and, snowballed to this point to where yeah. know, there's, there's no stopping it. He had some cool sonnets. I don't have the exact quote, but he talks about in some of his sonnets that after he dies, the, the, his pen will stay. It'll, it'll stay here. And I think about he's an artist. He's in the, he's in the category of art. And we got Leonardo who would paint and sculpt. But those, those paintings, they deteriorate. 
they fall apart. We lost a lot of them. We only have a few left of Leonardo. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see him paint anymore. Um, we can still appreciate what he did. It's like a little snapshot into his expertise. But Shakespeare, it's really cool because he wrote down these stories that we get to keep experiencing. And everyone gets to keep experiencing and seeing these, you know, a window into his life, into his soul. And I think it's going to last. I think it's going to last forever. I think him, I think uh, the classic composers, the fact that they've lasted this long, I think they'll Hmm. last the tales of time. But it's an interesting distinction you, you bring up about the difference between writing versus painting or even music. Where, but at least writing and painting, where somebody can memorize the words, you know, and you can rewrite those pretty easily. You can memorize sort of how a painting looks, but then no one's going to be able to recreate how Leonardo did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way to communicate that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Fun little thing uh, I thought about is what's a greater invention to you? Leonardo's Mona Lisa or. I invent a machine that can paint the Mona Lisa perfectly and it paints it in five seconds like a printer. I mean, you, you want to say Leonardo. I don't. I want to say the other one. Well, well, we don't know who invented the printer, you know, and we don't know. And, and why is yeah. that not great? Why don't we know that name? We have these 3D printers that can do things. They can make perfect replicas of the David. Well, maybe that's just it. It's because they're replicas. Maybe that is that what creativity is? Is that what greatness is? Being the first to something? Maybe. You know? But will we remember if somebody is able to, and they say that people are, or that um, artificial intelligence is able to like write news articles now and yeah. poems and stuff. And like, but I don't know. It's an interesting thought. It's we can talk about it again more. There's more, not a great answer. At a different time, but. I think part of it is uh, being the first. And also, we have to, it's really important that you are our listeners you understand that the environment and the situation that these people are in because if we said oh this guy discovered that two plus two is four you'd say it's the stupidest thing in the world my little kid knows that but if we told you that was fifty thousand years ago or you know what i mean whatever it's it's all about the circumstance and how well you did it this is the same with basketball players it's tough you look back and you're saying lebron is better than these guys but for what they had in their time, what they were given, and what they did with that. And I think... Well, it's an interesting thought about something like the Mona Lisa, where, you know, that's different from, from like, a math discovery because not everybody can really learn how to paint a Mona Lisa. Like, pretty much nobody can, you know? So, but everybody can learn math. Mm -hmm. Most everybody can learn math. So... There's definitely a difference there, and it's the it's the fact that the art communicates who the person was. Like you said with, with Shakespeare, his, his influence lives on, and we have a window into his soul because of the things that he wrote. And the same with um, somebody like Leonardo da Vinci, but then, you know, an accomplishment like, like a scientific discovery or um, something in mathematics or, you know, uh, something that somebody did... I guess uh, like Abraham Lincoln, where where what he accomplished, you know, that sometimes that can kind of give us a glimpse into him. But 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 sometimes sorry, sometimes some type of scientific discovery doesn't really tell us a ton about the person. Yeah, it's an interesting difference there. Yeah, d- definitely a difference between the sciences and the, and the arts. Anyways, that was a fun little rant. That's all I got. Um, you got anything else? 
No, I think we're good. Well, thanks for listening. Um, you can now follow us on our new Twitter handle. Yep. It's at WC underscore pod. WC underscore POD. Yep. Follow us. Um, we'd love to hear you guys give us some um, different people that we can do. Uh, you know. Yeah, feel free to reach out to us on that. Um, tweet at us, send us questions. Send if, us we've made any, if we've made any mistakes, uh, yeah. please correct us. Um, and yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll continue to post on that, and, and when we when we have new episodes and everything. So, thanks again for listening. Yeah.